Today's daf is daf pei dalid, page eighty four in the Halakha Maseches Nedarim. Yup, pei dalid, and we're going to go back to the bottom of pei gimel amad beis Rav Nachman Amar, three lines from the bottom. All right, let's remind ourselves what's going on. So our Mishnah on pei gimel amad beis, if you look a little further up, taught us a fascinating uh, halacha, which is that if a woman says that she's making a konam. An expression of a vow, she'ani nehene lebrios. She's refusing to benefit from any person. Is that considered an afflictive vow? If it's a vow of affliction, the husband could remove it. If it's a vow that is not a vow of affliction, the husband cannot remove it. So let me ask you. She says, I'm making a vow, I will not benefit from any person, any brios, any member of creation. Is that considered a vow of affliction? What would you think? Yes. Not everybody at once. Oh, absolutely good. All right. Now we've got the crowd chiming in. Good. So now, yeah, we would, right? It's a vow. He can't gain from anybody. Yet the Mishnah says he cannot remove the vow. Make sense of that. Where did that yes come from? Uh, from Jim. So we got... We got the Ilum Paskening over here that absolutely it should be a vow of affliction. She's saying it's not benefiting from nobody. Yet the Mishnah says, when she says, I'm making a vow to never benefit from anybody, which should be a vow of affliction, the husband cannot remove the vow. Which seems to me it's not a vow of affliction. And what we're trying to do in the Gemara so far is try to explain what's going on with our Mishnah. How do we make sense of this? So here we go. Rav Nachman Omar. Three lines to the bottom. Rav Nachman says, So guess what? You know why it's not considered a vow of affliction? Because when she says, I'm not getting benefit from any creation, it does not mean including her husband. What she's saying is, I'm not going to benefit from anybody besides from my husband. Her husband's in a category in of itself. Now that is not necessarily a vow of affliction anymore because as long as she could continue benefiting from her rock, she could keep benefiting from her husband, all right, she doesn't need to benefit from anybody else. Her husband won't be able to take care of her. It's not considered afflictive. And therefore, the husband has no right to remove the vow. And here's how you read the Mishnah, says of Nachman. Nizgarsha, after they get divorced, because her vow was effective, and she cannot benefit from anybody besides her husband, if they get divorced, she cannot benefit from any individual. What she's going to have to rely upon for her food is the gifts of the poor. That's her only option. Leket Shechampeya, which is not coming from any specific person, that's a right that she has given to her by the Torah. And that's how Rav Nachman understands the halacha of the mission. Okay, top of today's daf, says the Gemara, a challenging question. Eisvei Rav Nachman. Rav asked the question on Rav Nachman, who says that the reason why the husband cannot remove the vow is because she could keep benefiting from him. Is it true that if she says, I'm not going to benefit from any creation, her husband's not considered a creature? What is he? Yeah? Husband's not included in that? We learned in the Mishnah, if she says, I am never, I'm taking myself away from ever gaining pleasure from a Jew. She's basically saying she's never allowed to marry a Jew. 
the husband who's Jewish could say, besides for me. Okay? I'm never benefiting from another Jew. The husband hears it, he says, eh, besides for me. For me, you are benefiting from, sweetie. Okay? And they can have relations, they can have pleasure and benefit from each other, but she cannot have relations if they ever get divorced with another Jew. Now, the Amrit Ba'alav B'chal Briosu, and if you're going to tell me that the husband is not included in the expression of all of creation, says the Gemara, beautiful question. When she says, I'm excluding myself from Yehudim, then this neder is considered Inoi Nefesh, and we know when the husband removes the vow, it should be a vow that remains removed forever. Not only until they're no longer married, it should be removed forever. Hence, even if they get divorced, she should be allowed to marry somebody. The question that Rav is asking on Rav Nachman is, Rav Nachman, according to your whole understanding, when she says brios, it means excluding my husband. But you see from this brisa, that's not true. You see from this Mishnah, actually it's not a brisa. You see from this Mishnah, that a husband is included in the word brios. The so Gemara answers, a malach, He'll say to you, shiny hacha, this mission is different. It's clearly that she's, um, she's assering herself. Um, she's prohibiting herself from something that previously was allowed to her. Okay? Now, she said, I am, I am separated from all Jews. Okay? She didn't need to say, I'm separated from all Jews. She could have said, I'm separated from all people. I'm separated from all things. Why is she mentioning Jews? What's the difference if you have a woman when it comes to a relationship making a vow? What's the difference if she mentions Jews or she mentions people? The difference is that Jews, she's allowed to marry and other people who are not Jewish, she's forbidden to marry. So since she says, I'm removed from Jews, you see that her intention was strictly in things that have to do with marriage, referring to marital relations, and therefore, when she says this, we would assume she's including her husband because otherwise, why are you saying it? Right now, you're married. You're forbidden to every Jew anyway. You're married. So why would she say, I'm separating myself? You're already separated. Which Jew are you separating from by saying it? Your husband. So since it's very clearly that she's separating from her husband, therefore, he has to remove the vow on him. Because again, who else is she forbidden to? Who else is she creating a prohibition? She's a married woman. She can't marry a non-Jew. And at this stage of her life, she cannot marry a Jew either. So why in the world is she saying, oh, I'm separating myself from, from a Jew? It must be. Which Jew? Your husband. That's what you're saying. Since the connotation is the husband, that's the type of vow that has to be made for. Period. End of that Gemara. Okay. So what we're coming out with is that if she says creation, it means besides for her husband. If she says Jews, it means including her husband. Okay. Next part of the Mishnah said, Since her vow is effective, because she did not allow herself to benefit from anybody else, but she is allowing for her husband, so it's not Enoi. If they get divorced, she can't benefit from anybody. Rather, she must, uh, she, uh, she must subside, I think that's the right word, from handouts to the poor, 
things that don't come from anybody specifically, but the forgotten grain that's left in the field, the fallen grain that's left in the field, and the corners of the field that a person is obligated to leave over. That is the Torah helping her as opposed to an individual. So says the Gemara like this, from these two dots now till the end of the daf and getting on to the following daf as well, we are going to discuss a fascinating sugya connected to Zeraim, connected to the laws of growths and trumas and maisris, when we have an obligation to give truma, who owns the truma? Is it the owner, own, the, the, whoever owned the field owns the truma and he's just obligated to give it to a Kohen? Or do we say that once it's separated as Shuma, or whatever separated as Shuma is not even the owner's, it immediately belongs to the Kohen. If it belongs to the Kohen, does it go to a specific Kohen? Could any Kohen come and grab it? The ownership and the nafkaminas, the ramifications on all this is, going back to her original statement. She said, I can't benefit from anybody specific, anybody in creation, but we're allowing the Leket Shechupeya which seems to imply that she's not getting it from an ownership of an individual. It seems like that person, whoever owns the field, loses ownership. And now it's like out there as Hefker, it's like ownerless, and now she as a poor person can go take it. But let's, let's go through this idea and try to uh, uh, clarify the mechanics of, of gifts to the poor. Here we go. The Mishnah says she's allowed after she gets divorced, to benefit from Lekha Shechupeya, but we didn't mention that she's allowed to benefit from Maiser Ani. Okay? Maiser Ani is a specific Maiser that's given in the third and sixth year of a seven-year Shemitah cycle, in years one, two, four, and five. So the halacha is that the owner of the field has to give Maiser Shani. In years three and six, he gives Maiser Ani. That's something given to the poor. It seems... She's not allowed to benefit from Miser Ani. Now, why wouldn't she be allowed to benefit from the tithing of the poor? It seems to imply because it's going to come directly from someone's ownership. Says the Gemara of Atani, but Bryce will learn the Bryce, so, oh, Miser Ani. She could benefit from Miser Ani as well. So, we're just asking Akasha a challenging question in how do you view Miser Ani? Is it something that she could just take and not come from anybody specific? Or is it coming from somebody specific? And therefore she cannot. It seems like a contradiction in Mishnah. Like Kasha. It's not a contradiction. It's two different opinions. Fine. Let's clarify these opinions. The Tanan. Because we learned in a Mishnah. A person... Does not need to give a name on my Ani of Demai. Okay? Demai is when you have grain that we're unsure whether Trumas and Maiseris were separated. Primarily, this is going to come up in a case where you have an Amara, somebody who's, we're not sure how, how, uh, they, how they handled their grain. So, um, the halacha was that when you have, when you have Maiser Shani, which was given again in years two, uh, two four, uh, one, two, four, and five. So you're going to have to separate uh, Meiser Shani. And there you have to eat it only, you're only allowed to eat in Yerushalayim, as opposed to Meiser Ani, when um, it did have to be eaten in Yerushalayim. But the Shaila is, 
whether you have to separate Maeser Ani from Demai. If you're unsure whether it's sacred, you know Maeser Shani has to be separated. It's not so clear that you have to separate Maeser Ani from Demai. So the opinion of Rebbe Lezer is you do not need to separate Maeser Ani from Demai. Um, says the Gemara Vaiter, Vechachamim Aymrim, but the Chachamim say, Top of Amud Beis, Kare Shame, you should, even if it, there's Demai, set aside Maeser Ani and give it a name, say, This is Maeser Ani, Ve'ain Tsarech Lahafresh. But you don't need to actually separate it and say, Oh, this part of it is Maeser Ani. All you need to do is say, I want some of this to be Maeser Ani. You don't have to give a specific amount. Says a specific part of it. My love, isn't this the the one who says that you have to demise, separate Maeser Ani? He says it's considered Tevel until you separate it. So therefore, he says that there's something called Tevasana given to the owner. We'll explain in a moment what that is. It's, it's some sort of financial benefit to the owner who's giving the miser. And since it's some sort of benefit to the owner, so she cannot benefit from the miser ani from any person because he has an element of ownership. And since there's no there's no ownership on his part. She's permitted to benefit from it. Let's pause and explain for a moment what Taivasana is, because this is very, very logical. This makes a lot of sense. So here we go. Says the Gemara Azai. I have Baisu that needs to be separated. Who gets it? I have Maeser Ani. Has to go to the poor. I have Truma. Has to go to Kayan. Maeserishan has to go to Levi. Who, dis- who determines which Kayan and Levi get it? Okay. So here's the deal. If we're going to say that the... If we're going to say that there's Taivas Hano, that the owner could decide which one gets it, there is value to the power of being able to choose your favorite poor person, your favorite Kayan, your favorite Levi. And therefore... If she makes a vow to not benefit from anybody, she cannot accept Maeser Ani because the guy who's giving it to her has Taiva Sana and she's benefiting directly from him. But if you say that there's no Taiva Sana and really any poor person that could go ahead and, and grab it on their own and it wouldn't be a Shiloh over here if somebody were to take it, they would be allowed to keep it. So then there is no real financial benefit to the giver. Since no real financial benefit to the giver, he's no longer the owner. And she would be able to receive Maeser Ani. So again, we had a contradiction in Mishnayis, wanting to know whether uh, this woman who made the vow to never benefit from anybody, whether she could receive Maeser Ani once she gets divorced. We had a dispute, and the Gemara here wants to explain that the, the reason behind the dispute is going to be whether or not Taiva Sana is in place. Omar Le Abaye, Sabaye says, one second... Not necessarily is that the Machlaikas, because maybe everybody agrees that when you have the Ma, you certainly have to separate Maeser Ani, and if you don't, it's Tevel. is about a different, a different focus. Rebbe says the reason why, he just says there's no such thing as the Ma'i on Maeser Ani. There's no the Demai means I'm unsure whether it was taken. Demai means I'm unsure. If I'm not unsure, so then 
and I know he takes, even Amaretz knows to give Meiser to a poor person. So that's why I don't need to separate Meiserani anymore. And therefore, uh, and therefore, if he would be mafkir his nechosim, mafkir his property, he himself would become an ani. So he could take the Meiserani. So it's not considered any sort of loss on his behalf. Fine. So therefore, even Amaratzim, everybody's cool, everybody's okay with separating Maeser Ani. You buy, you buy a produce from an Amaratz, you do not need to separate Maeser Ani according to Rebbe Yazar. For Abonan Sabi, Abonan say no. Nichsei loy mafkir inish lemirsas, Nichsei loy mafkir inish lemirsas, the Nechasim, a person is not going to be mafkir the mirsas because he's nervous, he's ner- he's 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 afraid. inish. Maybe somebody else achrina. Uh, maybe somebody else is going to be zayichin. Meaning, says the chachamim shkayich. Very nice, Rabbi That you know any amaaretz um, will be willing to do this because either way he could be if he didn't want to give my he could just be mafkir his possessions. Then not have to take my zirani. He said like this. You know what? It's not so simple. People are not going to sofa. They're not going to be too quick. To mafkir their property because the moment they say hafker, another person might say keeper, keeper. It's mine. You know, I'll I'll, I'll take it. And therefore, these amaratzim are not going to try to pull shtick to get around giving my sirani and hokach nechshedu. And therefore, since they don't take halacha so seriously, and there is potential for a loss by getting, uh, or they might consider it to be a loss by taking ma'aser. We have to assume they did, they don't take my sirani. And since they don't take Meiser Ani, if you get the if you purchase produce from them, it's considered demai even as far as Meiser Ani is concerned. The bottom line is the Gemara wants to say it like this: Machlekes Rabbeinu and the Rabbanon is about whether or not in Amaretz is chayshid or Meiser Ani. That depends on whether or not um, whether or not a person purchasing it has to buy, but it has nothing has to has to take Meiser Ani by themselves. But it has nothing to do with the machlekes that we were dealing with. Which is Taibasana. Because in order to connect this machlaikas between the Rebbelezin and the Chachamim to our Mishnah and answer the contradiction as just saying it's a dispute, again, you have to say that one's going to say Taibasana, one's going to say not Taibasana. The way we're explaining the machlaikas now, it has nothing to do with that. Okay. Fine. And therefore, we don't have an answer necessarily to the. To the uh, stira in Mishnayis says the Gemara. Rava, my Rava says, I'll try to give another answer to why there's no stira, why it's not a contradiction. When your ma'aser ani separated once it's already um, in the owner's house, where there's a full fledged obligation, it says you give it over, which means the guy, the owner of the field, takes full ownership. And now gives it to the poor. That's where she's not going to be allowed to take my sirani. Again, what are we trying to figure out? There's a contradiction in prices. A woman makes a vow. She's never benefiting from anybody. She's now divorced. She cannot benefit from anybody. She has to live off Lekat Shechum There was one Mishnah that says she can also live off my sirani. And our Mishnah seems to imply she cannot. We're trying to understand why. Right? Why can't you live Maeser Ani? Why is it considered like you're benefiting from somebody? So Rav is explaining here, when Maeser Ani is brought into the guy's house, it's considered his. And therefore, if she were to take Maeser Ani now, 
It's considered like she's benefiting directly from him. She cannot benefit from him because it's considered like it's coming from him. And again, she took a vow when she was married. She's never benefiting from anybody. However, that was given out inside the granary. Okay. Now, if it's given inside the granary, it was never brought into his house. And it says what happens by the granary is it, that uh, you don't really have that chiyav yet. So any, per, any person could take that miser from the threshing floor, from the granary, without the, owner, without the owner's consent. Therefore, it's considered more than I'm taking it as opposed to him giving. In such a case, will allow her to, to receive miser ani. It's not considered like... He's giving it to her. It's as if she's taking it herself. Shari Leilis, not Nuye. She would be permitted to benefit from that Maiser Ani. Okay? So bottom line, according to Rava's answer, and we're walking away with this being a good answer, is we had a contradiction. A woman makes a vow. She's never benefiting from anybody. After she gets divorced, she could benefit from Lekha Shekopeya. I, Maiser Ani, yes or no? One Bryce says, yeah. Bryce versus Mishnah, yes or no? Answer is, it's not a contradiction. One case, nor is it a Machlekes. We'll say the case that says she could benefit, that's when she took the Maiserani from the granary. The case where she's not allowed to benefit is when the person already brought it into their home and now they're handing it out to the Aniyim, that would be considered direct benefit and she cannot do that from anybody. Okay. Two dots. About two-thirds of the way down on pay dollar on the base. We learned in the Mishnah, Kehanim Ulevian Nanin Li Yitlu Dechul. She says, um, uh, uh, Kahanim and Leviim are not allowed to benefit from me. Okay. Says the Gemara. This was the Seifa of the Mishnah on Pei Beis on Beis. It was a new case, right? In the first case, she says, I'm making a vow that I can't benefit from anybody. Okay. Then the second part of the Mishnah if, is, is really if she says or anybody says, Kainam, Kahanim, Leviim, Nenim, Li. That... Uh, Kahanim and Leviim are forbidden to benefit from me. The halacha is Yitlu al Karchay. The Mishnah says there are, Kahanim and Leviim could take the Chuma and Maiser whether or not he likes it. I said you can't benefit from me. You know what we say? What's the last letter of the Aleph Bays? Tough. The Torah says that they get Chuma and Maiseris, they're allowed to take it. Okay. However, if he says, I'm just finishing off the Mishnah, that the specific ones, then they can't take what other ones could. You can't say that no Levi and Kayan could take. Yes, they could, because you can't stop them. You have a chiv. You have an obligation to give your chumas and maestro. So here we go. Says the Gemara. You see from over here that being able to choose which Kayan and which Levi to give to, Eina moment is not considered a real financial value. Okay? It's not considered a financial value. Why? Because we said, then go ahead and take it. But Eima Seifa, what did the end of the Mishnah say? Kahanam Eilu, Vilavim Eilu Nenamli, Yitlu Acher. They cannot take, but other Vilavim could take. I don't understand. Avalahani Loi. But it seems those other Kahanam cannot take it. Amatavis and moment. Why can't they take it? Why would they not be allowed to take it if you said, I don't like that lady, I don't like that Kayan. Why can't they take it anymore? 
Teretz is, answer is, it must be, it's considered like they're directly benefiting from you. So make up your mind. Is the right to give over and choose who gets the Chumas and Maishas, the Taifas Hana, is it financial value? And if it is, then, then um, if it's considered financial value, then people cannot benefit from me. Or is it not considered financial value? And people could benefit, because not considered benefiting from me. So we have a contradiction. So Amar Ravayishi, Ravayishi says, Ravayishi says, like Kasha, Harabi, Varabiyasi, Rabbiyuda. It's a machlaikas. Okay? Now what's the machlaikas? Where do, where, do, where do you see such a machlaikas? The Tanya, because we learned in Abrahi, I have Tevel, I did not yet separate Shumas and Maishas, and Yanku comes along and steals my Tevel and eats it. You got to pay him the, back the full value that you stole. Now this is interesting, you know why? Tevel, let's say I have a hundred ounces of grain that I didn't yet separate Shumas and Maishas. A thief comes along, eats the hundred ounces of grain. Should he have to pay me back the full hundred ounces? Or do I say, he didn't really steal 100 ounces from you. You know why? Because 10% of those ounces had to go to Meiser. And a 2% had to go to Truma. So he doesn't have to pay you back. You had an obligation to give to the Kayan and Levi. Why should he have to give you back the full 100? But the Brisa interesting says, interestingly says, a person who steals 100 ounces of Tevel, you got to pay back the full amount. Divrei Rebbe, this is the opinion of Rebbe. Okay. It's as if there's like an ownership over all of it until you actually separate your true misamizers. No, the Ghanim only has to pay back the value of the Chulin, whichever one is not obligated to be part of Trumas and Maestris inside of it. Okay? So now we're assuming right now that this Machlok is going to be based around what is an owner's relationship with Shuma Samaisis. Is there Taivas Hana? Is it considered like he's still an owner till he gives it and therefore a thief would have to pay him back the full value? Or do we say no? It's not Taivas Hana. Taivas Hana doesn't give you ownership and therefore 100 ounces were stolen, but you don't own that full 100 ounces. Maybe you should get back 89 ounces and the rest should go to a Meiser pot and a Chuma pot. But we shouldn't give it back to you. That's the pin of Rabbi Rabbi Yaisi, says Gemara, let's assume my love welcome Let's assume Machlekas between Rebbe and Rebbe Yisib Rebbe Yehuda is as follows. Top of Pehei, the Rebbe Savar Taivas in a moment. Rebbe holds that the ability to choose who gets it is considered financial ownership and therefore the, the Ganav has to pay back the full hundred ounces because I have the right to choose who gets it. So pay me back the full value. By, by having the right to choose, that gives me an element of ownership. He says, no it ain't. Just because you have the right to choose who gets it means you own it? No. You just have a right. You don't have a financial ownership on it. Since you don't have a financial ownership over it, I don't need to pay that back to you. That's the Gemara's assumption right now what the machlokas between Rebbe and Rebbe Yisri, Rebbe Yehuda is. Be'ezham, tomorrow we will pick up with this machlokas. We'll restart the sugya from, from uh, the two dots on the bottom of Pei Dalit Amar We'll back up about 10 lines. Pick up from the two dots. 
have a wonderful, wonderful evening and a little bit of a cliffhanger here. A little bit of a cliffhanger. How we view the Teva Sana when it comes to Chumas and Maestras. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.